Pastor Boyd, would you just come and uh, minister what God has laid on your heart tonight? And uh, we're, we're so pleased to have you here. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, come on, let's welcome Boyd. Yeah, we're just really glad that you're dressed in the all black tonight, just to remind us of that rugby team that we all, we just love the rugby team. We pray for them, we pray for them, we intercede for the New Zealand rugby team. We pray for their failure, we pray for their injury, and all sorts of things. So feel welcome and God bless, God bless. Come on, let's give Jesus a big clap offering tonight. Fantastic. So good to be back here again and uh, so honored to be here. Thank you, Pastor Mark and, Ryan, Mark and Kathy Ryan. You are both incredible. I want to give honor where honor is due. You are blessed with incredible leaders. I value our friendship. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for your friendship and, uh, and your hospitality. Can we put our hands together one more time and, and honor your pastors? So good to have pastors Steve and Esther Oppol and their entire family. Dear friends of mine, uh, it was so great to have Pastor Steve and Esther with us in New Zealand uh, in November. They got to speak at our church, uh, uh, churches across the nation. So honored to have you and thank you for your friendship. I'm so grateful to God for the amazing people that he has brought into my world. We need each other to help each other uh, and to grow the kingdom of God. Can we show our appreciation and our welcome to the Apple family? Great to meet your family. I bring you greetings from New Zealand, especially uh, my wife uh, and my five-year-old son. I've got a photo of them. I'm married to Sharon. Uh, we've been, uh, in, in May this year, we've been married for 10 years. Uh, we, we, we went to the same youth group, uh, and, um, uh, and there were five guys in the youth group who wanted uh, Sharon, and I was like, I've got competition, because I wanted her too. Uh, and and I'll, I'll never forget, uh, one day she was speaking at church, and and I knew that she, she, she was the girl I was going to marry, and, uh, and I told her, look, I, I, I want to marry you. I, you. You are the one for me. And I'll never forget, what, one Sunday night I, um, during the altar call, a young man came up to me, uh, and he said to me, God told me uh, I'm going to marry Sharon. I was like, is that right? <laughs> well... He told me I was going to marry Sharon too. I was like, we have a problem. And, uh, and so I prophesied over that man, and I, a young boy, and I said to him, oh, I really feel God's called you to be a missionary uh, somewhere in the Middle East. And so I prophesied over him, and I've, I haven't seen him since then. So tonight, I, I just really believe I want to pr prophetically speak over your life. So stay open. But anyway, so we've been married uh, in May for 10 years. Uh, that's our five-year-old son, Joshua. Uh, as I mentioned this morning, uh, in June, this year we are going to have another baby which we're very very excited about and uh, that is fantastic thank you for having me I hope you can understand my Sri Lankan Kiwi heavenly accent uh, uh, if you if you can't understand me I pray that the Holy Spirit will translate to you I pray that I pray that God will open the eyes of your heart and you will see heavenly subtitles and, uh, and what I'm saying tonight will make sense. Are you ready for God's word tonight? Are you ready for God's word tonight? Tonight I want to talk to you about the presence of God. I really felt on the opening night of this conference to really talk, talk to you about the presence of God. And, and this morning I talked about uh, taking my wife Sharon and Joshua to Sri Lanka where I grew up. And I remember while we were there, uh, we attended the largest church 
uh, in Sri Lanka. It's a church uh, with a membership of over 10,000 people. They have four services on a Sunday, and, uh, and we decided to attend their second service, which is their English-speaking service. So the three of us got in a little tuk-tuk, and we were on our, on our way to the English service, and when we got there, we realized that we had got all, this, all the service times wrong, and we were a little bit too early. The first service, which is the Tamil-speaking service, uh, was still going, and um, so we were, we were early, and we were walking up the long driveway that led into the church building. As we were walking up uh, with Joshi and, and Sharon, as we were walking up, Sharon said to me, Boyd, can you feel the presence of God? And my wife doesn't speak Tamil. And, and, and here we were outside the church. We haven't even been inside the building. And we can just sense the presence of God in the car park. I knew exactly what she was talking about. Let me tell you, that particular moment became a defining moment for us as a couple. A new hunger, a new thirsty, a new, sorry, a new thirst for God's presence just consumed us. We were like, God, we want your presence in everything we do. We want your presence in our church. We want your presence in our marriage. We want your presence in our home. We want your presence in our ministry. Everything we touch, everything we say, everything we do, we want your presence. We want to be carriers of your presence. A new hunger, a new thirst for God's presence just consume us. Do you realize that you are a carrier of God's presence? Everywhere we go, we carry the presence of God. And that's my prayer for every single one of us over the next couple of days as we come together, as we wait in His presence. I pray a new hunger, a new thirst for God's presence will consume every single person that called Birmingham City Church, that you will have a, a new hunger for His presence in the year 2019. Can I get an amen if you are, if you're with me? I pray as we wait in His presence over the next couple of days, even tonight, I pray that every single one of you, you will have defining moments where God will speak to you directly. For the year 2019 and, and, and for the season ahead for you as a church and as an, as an individual, uh, individual. I love this picture in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verses 1 to 3 in your Bible. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verses 1 to 3. It says, when Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. It's like Pastor Mark Ryan showing up at church on Sunday morning and he can't come in because the presence of the Lord. Wow, they're clapping for you, Mark. There you go. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good, His faithful Love endures forever. What a beautiful picture of the glory of God. The presence of God filling the temple. Let me tell you, nothing can substitute the presence of God. Nothing in this world can substitute the presence of God. As I was preparing for this message, I was thinking to myself, how do we measure success in a church? 
How do you measure the success of a church? There are many ways we measure it. Uh, they had four services planned for the, for the weekend, and, and they had the stage set up, the lighting set up, the production set up. Everything was amazing. Everything was fantastic, ready to go, but they had one problem, bad weather. Every pastor's nightmare. Every Sunday morning, I check the weather report. I don't know what your weather report is like, but I personally think the, the weatherman in Auckland gets it always wrong. Uh, he, he, he's a bad prophet. His, his prophecies, his predictions are always wrong. I always say, God, please give us a sunny, sunny day on Sunday, but it always rains. Anyway, Wade Cadero said it was raining. It, it was raining on Saturday, and they had to cancel all these services on Saturday because it was raining. He was devastated. Sunday morning, he's driving to church. They've got this outdoor event uh, all organized, all ready to go. It was raining. He, didn't, he doesn't even put on his wipers in the car. Because he's saying, by faith, it's going to stop raining. And, and he's driving full of faith. He's begging, begging, he's crying out to God, God, please take the rain away. Please, I'll do anything for you. God spoke to Pastor Wayne while he was driving to church. And he said this to him, Wayne, you have asked for the absence of rain, but you never asked for my presence once. You asked for the absence of rain but you never asked for my presence. And I'll never forget this story. Here's the truth. God will show up where He is welcomed. God will show up where He is welcomed. I never want to be a pastor. I never want to be a church leader where I pray for the lights, the sound, the stage, the building. Let me tell you, I love all of those things, but I never want to ask just for that. I want the presence of God over anything else because nothing substitutes the presence of God. Can I get an amen this evening? Let me tell you, the presence of God in Scripture has the idea of God's face being turned towards someone in acceptance and favor. God's presence was so evident in Abraham's life. Uh, the heathen king said to him, there's something different about you. God's obviously with you, helping you. In everything you do, there's something different about you. Again, in Joshua chapter 1, God said to Joshua, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Don't be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. For the Lord your God is with you. Again, God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 15 verse 20, They will fight against you like an attacking army, but I will make you as secure as a fortified wall of bronze. They will not conquer you, for I am with you to protect and rescue you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And I, love, and I love this. God said to Isaiah in Isaiah 43, verses 23, Don't be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burnt up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God is saying to Isaiah, Isaiah, you can, through, you can go through any fire fire or flood and survive because I am with you. I really believe that is a promise for somebody here this evening. In the book of Exodus chapter 33 verse 14, God says to Moses, my presence will go with you. I'll see the journey to the end. My presence will go with you. Maybe, maybe that's a word for somebody here tonight. You needed to hear that. God is saying to you, I will personally 
go with you. I'll see this journey to the end. Maybe God's asked you to step out the year 2019. God is calling you to step out and you're like, God, I don't know if I can do it. This is out of my comfort zone. Maybe God wants you to go deeper. God wants you to believe for something. And in the natural, you're like, boy, I don't know if I can do it. God wants you to know my presence will go with you. Maybe you're here tonight and 2018 was a tough year for you. And you're like, that's it, I've had enough. And, and you're not sure about the year 2019. Let me tell you, I don't know what the, the, what the rest of this year has in store for us. I don't, I don't know what our future looks like. But let me tell you, I know who holds our future. He's got the whole world in his hands. Your future is in his hands. And he wants you to know, for I am with you. My presence will go with you. No matter where you find yourself tonight, I don't know what you're facing, but I want you to know that you are not alone. His presence is with you, and His presence will go with you. There are three, three truths about His presence I want us to catch tonight. Here's the first one. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And tonight, over the next few minutes as I share God's Word, I don't, I don't want to just come and preach a message and, and go home. I pray that we will create God moments where we will see the presence of God here in this building tonight. And we're going to pray for different things. And I really encourage you, let's keep that expectations. Let's believe for God to move in this place. Let's believe for God to pour out a spirit in this place. Number one, never let the presence of, of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Let me tell you, 2015, May was the most difficult time for me and my family. We were just getting ready for our Mother's Day services. We have four services on a Sunday. Shaz was getting ready. My wife was getting ready with the team. Uh, and I had to take my wife, uh, sorry, my, 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 my mom, uh, for a routine follow-up mammogram check. And um, so when we showed up at the hospital, the, the nurse said to my mom, Mrs. Ratnaraja, would you mind coming into this room? And uh, would you mind taking a seat? And I, I sat next to mom. The, the nurse put a, a folder on the desk and she said to us, the surgeon will be here. The specialist will be here to see you. And my mom said to me, something's not right. She used the word surgeon. She's using the word specialist. And then the, and the specialist came in and, uh, and, and said to my mom, Mrs. Ratnaraja, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but you've got stage two breast cancer. Let me tell you, those words rocked my world. I, I, didn't, I, I wasn't prepared for it. No one saw it coming. And, and my mom was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer. I, and the surgeon carried on with... I, to this day, I have no idea what she told me, and I don't even remember driving back, taking mum back with me. I, I, was, I was in a shock, and I, my mum couldn't believe it. Uh, we had four Mother's Day services to celebrate that weekend, that, and every time I heard Mother's Day at the back of my head, I was like, my mum's got stage two cancer. And, and you know, we had to celebrate our Mother's Day services. But the craziest thing was a, a month later, my mum went for surgery, and she started chemo. But the craziest thing was, in the middle of all of this, I had to take three funerals of ladies in our church who died of breast cancer. In the space of three months, one after the other, I had to take funeral services while my mom was going through all of this. 
I watched my mom closely during the storm that she was going through. Incredibly, let me tell you, there was not one day she complained. She attended the funeral, the funeral services of all, the, all three ladies in the church. After, she, after chemo, she lost all her hair. She, she lost weight. She was weak, but she never missed a church service. We had to force her to stay at home. She, I just watched her during this time. Let me tell you, I'm here to testify to, to you tonight. She came out of all of that. She came through that storm stronger, brighter, more in love with Jesus. Let me tell you, cancer did not win the battle because Jesus has already won the battle. She came out of the strong. Why? Because the presence of God was with her and carried her through. Let me tell you, storms in life are inevitable. Storms are inevitable. They are impartial. They, it happens to all of us. It doesn't matter how anointed you are. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord. Storms are part of our Christian journey. Storms are unpredictable. They are impartial. But here's one thing to remember. Storms are temporary. They don't last forever. But let me tell you, the presence of God is with you. He promises us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Storms come and go, but His presence is here to stay. Here to stay. Tonight, really, uh, if I could ask the keyboard player to quickly join me on the keys. Tonight, I really felt for a moment we're going we're to pray for the sick. Maybe you're here tonight and, and you've been given a bad health report or, or, or you are facing something right now and, and you're like, you never saw it coming. Maybe you're, you're battling cancer. Maybe it's arthritis. Maybe it, it, it's, a, it's depression. Whatever it is, let me tell you, we're going to take a few moments and we're going to pray for people here in this place. And I'm, I know I'm believing for healing reports. And we're going to combine our faith together. So if you're here tonight and you're believing for healing, I want you to stand to your feet right now, wherever you are. And I want to get the whole church to gather around you. And we're going to take a few moments to pray for people. Birmingham City Church, are you ready to do that tonight so wherever you are if you're standing if you see people next to you would you mind stretching your hands towards them come on let's get around them let's pray together let's pray pray for healing in this place let's pray against cancer father i pray for every single person standing right now believing for a touch of god believing for healing in the name of jesus we say by your stripes we are healed in the name of jesus right now healing rain fall afresh in this place. Would you mind raising your voice with me for a moment? Come on, let's, let's knock on heaven's door. Let's believe for God to touch the lives of every person standing right now in the name of Jesus. Cancer bow down to the name of Jesus. Depression bow down to the name of Jesus right now. Oh, Holy Spirit, God, we declare healing in the name of Jesus. Oh, we declare healing right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. We receive it. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Oh, we worship you. We worship you, Jesus. We honor you. Thank you, God. We receive it. We pray for healing. We pray for people who are in hospital right now. God, I pray that you'll enter hospital rooms of, of, of loved ones right now. We declare healing in the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you. Thank you, God. Thank you. We receive it tonight in the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you. We honor you, Lord. You are our healer. You are our healer. Nothing is impossible with you. Oh, we declare your healing power in this place tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. 
We worship you, Jesus. We thank you. Can we give God praise if you receive that tonight? Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. You, you can just take a seat there if you want. Just grab a seat. Thank you. We're going we're to keep praying for people and we'll invite you to come to the front. Number one, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Here's the second thing I want you to catch tonight. We take the first step and trust God for the journey. We take the first step and trust God for the journey. God wants to say to you tonight, you take the first step and my presence will go with you. Not only that, but I will see the journey to the end. When I was five or six years old, I remember in Sri Lanka, when I was living in Sri Lanka, I was just a five-year-old. I knew God was calling me to be a pastor. I remember going to church on, on Sunday, and I watched the pastor, and, and I remember my, my mom and dad, they were running an orphanage at that time, and I remember one night, I clearly heard from God as a young kid, God was calling me to be a pastor, and I was like, I'm not going to wait till I'm 50 or 60 years to, to be a pastor, so I decided I'm going to, I'm going to start a church. So uh, my name is Boyd, and I have a twin brother called Lloyd. Uh, and uh, Boyd and Lloyd. Let's just say my parents were happy when they found out they were having twins. Uh, and, and then we have a kid at church called Floyd. So we got Boyd, Lloyd, Floyd. Uh, I just say we have Boyd, Lloyd, Floyd and avoid them all. But anyway, uh, so I, 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 we started church and I was the pastor. My, my twin, he was the assistant pastor. We had eight neighborhood kids that joined our church uh, and we had two dogs. They were the worship team. And let me tell you, we, we had amazing church services. Our church, uh, we, we used to play church in the afternoon. We had our church, the church that we used to go to in the mornings. They were right next door to us. Uh, and um, so we would play church. Uh, and um, so while the other service was happening, uh, I, would be bas- I will be basically repeating, but the pastor next door is preaching to his congregation. So, so this went on for a few weeks, and the pastor sent one of the assistant pastors to tell us to not repeat what they were saying, because their congregation was hearing the same message preached twice. I was just like, well, they need to hear the Word of God. But anyway, uh, and, and I, as a young kid... I knew God was calling me to be a pastor. And I remember, you know, a passion for God's house just consumed me. I was just like, I just want to be a pastor. I remember going to church one Sunday and they had baptisms. And I was just like, you know what? We need to have baptisms. I told my, my, my brother, we were only about six or seven at that time. We were like, we're going to have baptisms when we get back home. And uh, honest truth, my mom and dad, they had this big fish tank. It was like a bathtub which hadn't been cleaned for many years. My, I, I'm not a, I'm, I wasn't a big fan on vegetables when I was a kid, so mum used to feed me vegetables, and I used to spit it in the fish tank. Uh, and uh, so, so I asked the congregation, uh, 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 my congregation of eight kids, I asked them, who wants to be baptized? No one put their hand up. And I looked at my brother and I said, put your hand up. And he put his hand up. And I always wanted to do this. I was like, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that. It was just one hand. Uh, and, and, and I was like, you know, I told my brother, that's it. We're going we're gonna to do baptism. So I got him in the tank. And the church next door to us, they had five baptisms. I wanted to do better than them. So I baptized my brother about 10 times. Uh, and, you know, and sometimes I held him under water too long. And he drank all this dirty water. Uh, and he got sick. So we had a heat service immediately after the after the baptism service you know I just wanted to be a pastor 
And I remember one time we went to church and they had anointing services. And, uh, and I, I, know, I noticed they anointed everyone with oil. And I said to my brother, we're going to have anointing services when we get back home. So we had an anointing service. And, and, and I asked the congregation of eight people and, and our two dogs, who wants to be anointed? Nobody. I looked at my brother and said, put your hand up. He puts his hand up again. I see that hand. I see that hand. I had, so, so, so anyway, I got him to kneel down. And, and I read somewhere in the Bible where it, say, where it said, when, when Samuel anointed David, he, he poured out the whole flask of oil. I was just like, we need oil. So my mom was asleep. Uh, you know, she was having an afternoon nap. So I went into the kitchen and I, and, I, and I took this big flask of oil, cooking oil that she had. And I got my brother to kneel down and I poured the whole oil and I was anointing him. Let me tell you, when we were doing that, the presence of God just filled our church and the congregation was cheering. My, my mom woke up and she came and she couldn't believe what she saw. There was oil everywhere. In Sri Lanka, you're allowed to smack your kid when they misbehave. So the pastor, I, I, I must have been about six or seven years old at that time. I got a big smack that day. I'll tell you, I looked at my mom and I wanted to anoint her with oil because I saw a, 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 an evil spirit. I, was, I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to get it out of her. But I did, I, I, you know, I wanted to say, woman, thou art loose. But I just didn't want to, didn't want to go there. You know, I was just a young kid, so passionate about God. I knew God was calling me to be a pastor. We had an Easter production. I was Jesus. And my brother and my cousins, they were the Roman soldiers. They, they tied me to the cross, which was our window. And I, and I sit there in our congregation of eight and the two dogs, they're watching Jesus being crucified. And I, and I said to them, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And I said my last few words and I died. And, and, and the Roman soldiers, they were about to leave. And, and one of my cousins said, but it said that Jesus hung on the cross naked. So, 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 so my cousins came and I was tied to the cross and I was dead. They pulled my pants down and they said to me, we'll see you in three days. And, they, uh, and, and I had all these neighborhood kids watching me. And, I'm, and here is Jesus calling out to his mom, mom, mom. They pulled my pants down. So, so they had to come. The mother of Jesus had to come, pull his pants up and take him down. Our Easter production had a different ending, but it was the Boyd Ratnaraja translation. But anyway, you know, as a, as a young kid, I knew God was calling me to be a pastor. And, and then we left Sri Lanka and we moved to New Zealand. I was just 17 or 18 years old that time, at that time. And, and I was invited to be on staff, and I, and I knew God was opening doors for me. So I remember showing up on the uh, first day of staff, and, and, and I thought I got, I, I got to work in the worship department. My job was to put out chairs and pack them away after Sunday services. I thought I was going to work in the worship department. Uh, they said, no, that's your job, is to put all the chairs out and pack them after the services. I was just like, God, I want to be in ministry. God said, you take the first step and trust me for the journey. So uh, that's what I did. The first, first few years, I would put all the chairs out and pack them away after the services, clean the church. People used to ask me, Boyd, we see you around. What's your title? What's your job title? I was just like, they never gave me a job title. You know, we had the senior pastor. We had the worship pastor, the youth pastor. I was just like, they never gave me a title, so I decided to give myself a title. I called myself the chairman of the church. And, and, 
people would ask me, so, so what do you do around here? I told them I was the chairman of the church. And they were like, wow, you the chairman of the church. They said to me, well, what, what do you do? I said, I put the chairs out for Sundays and I packed them away afterwards. And they were like, that guy needs prayer. But anyway, but let me tell you, the reason I'm telling you this is God called me to take the first step and trust him for the journey. Can I tell you, never despise small beginnings. My job, I was a chairman and I had to make a decision. Uh, when I was 20 years old, all my friends were going to university. I had to make a decision. Do I want to go to university or do I want to follow the call of God on my life? God said, you take the first step and trust me for the journey. I'm so glad I followed the call of God over my life. And I say this with all humility. I went from packing and putting out, setting up chairs in the weekend to now leading the Elam movement in, in New Zealand and I get to travel around the world. Can I tell you, promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. Promotion comes from the Lord. Never despise small beginnings. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, boy, I'm waiting for that big moment. I'm waiting for that big invitation. Can I encourage you? Start serving where God has called you now. Take the first step and trust God for the journey. Often we say, God, show me the whole journey, the full detailed plan, and if it fits with my plan for my life, then I'll do it. But let me tell you, faith doesn't work that way. Faith doesn't work that way. We take the first step and trust God for the journey. Often we don't take the first step because of fear. We're afraid. We're afraid that we don't have it in us. When it comes to fear, you have two options. Forget everything and run, or face everything and rise. Forget everything and run, or face everything and rise. Can I encourage you, as you look at the year 2019, you will either forget everything and run away, or you will face everything and rise, knowing that He who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Can I get an amen? Let me tell you why so many people are afraid to take the first step. We're, uh, first step. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of what other people will say. Some of you, you are afraid to take the next step because you're too worried about other people's opinions. Sometimes we forget the call of God on our lives and we, and we pay far too much attention to other people's opinions. Can I tell you, opinions are like armpits. We all have them, and some of them stink. Some opinions stink. Let me tell you, just because someone has, an, has a voice or they have an opinion doesn't mean you have to listen to what they have to say about you because you are not what others say you are. You are who God says you are. I remember as a, as a young staff member, I was staying with someone in Sydney, Australia, and this lovely gentleman, he said to me, boy, what's your dream for your life? Very passionately, I told him, I want to be a pastor one day, and I want to do this for God, and I thought this, this lovely gentleman was going to go, hooray, I believe in you, go, you go for it. You know what he did? He criticized my dream, and he said to me, you are never going to do that, you don't have the right education, you are this, and you are not this. And Let me tell you, as I was listening to him, I really felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you need to ask him to stop this conversation, and don't listen to anything that he is saying to you. So I said to him, look, I, thank you very much for allowing me to stay... Uh, at your place. I was hoping he wasn't going to kick me out after what I was about to tell him. And I was just like, thank you very much, but let me tell you, I am not who you say I am. I am who God says I am. 
pay attention to the voice of God. I remember hearing the story of a four-year-old girl by the name of Maria Chapman who was kidnapped in Colombia. She was kidnapped from her backyard one afternoon. She was playing in her back after, uh, backyard and one afternoon. She doesn't remember a lot of what really happened during her kidnapping, but she remembered certain parts of what took place. All this little girl could remember were, were these sweaty arms grabbing her from behind and putting a cloth over her face as she was playing in her backyard. Her kidnapper put some kind of, some sort of chemical on her face that caused her to lose consciousness and dragged this four-year-old girl into the deep jungles of Colombia. After she was abused by this man and hurt very badly, she was left to die all alone, all alone in the dangerous jungles of Colombia. In her best-selling book, Maria talks about her terrifying experience, a four-year-old girl frightened and all alone in the jungle crying out for her mom. Unfortunately, her mom never showed up, never comes. The next day, she hopes somebody will come, but, but once again, nobody came to her rescue. This poor four-year-old girl was absolutely terrorized by the sounds of the jungle, the animals, the, the monkeys, the strange noises, and the darkness. She was absolutely petrified being alone in the jungle. One, on the third day, something interesting happened. I love the story. A group of monkeys noticed her on the ground, crying, hungry, thirsty. I don't need to go to the gym. I'm just sweating up here. They obviously had a great workout. Anyway, a group, of, a group of monkeys noticed her on the ground, crying, hungry, thirsty, and on the verge of death. These monkeys, out of curiosity, surrounded her. First, they started to treat her with hostility. They pushed and pulled her hair. But after a while, she, they started to treat little Maria with more kindness. They gave her food. And she started to follow them around. Basically, she started living like a monkey. It was a monkey see, monkey do kind of existence. She did what the monkeys were doing. She basically copied their behavior. That's what she did. Three days turned into a week. A week turned into a month. And a month turned into 10 years. 10 years of living in the jungles of Colombia as a monkey with no memories of her parents, no human contact whatsoever. Life as a monkey became her new normal. She just copied these monkeys. She lived just as the monkeys around her were living until one day something happened that changed everything for her. Listen carefully. As she was sitting in the tree, she noticed something from a distance that was shining. She noticed a small, shiny object that piqued her curiosity. She came down from the trees and picked this object up. She didn't know what this object was. She started to do what an animal would do. She would, she would bite, trying to discover what it was. When she held it up, it terrified her so, so she dropped it. This object had eyes looking back at her. She picked up a small mirror someone had dropped in the jungle. She picked it up, she, she picked it back up again after a while and realized that the eyes that were looking back at her was her own eyes. For the first time in the jungle, she had this awareness, I am not who they are. For the first time, she realized, I am not 
what they are. I am not what they, what they are. I don't know what I am yet, but I got a glimpse of what I am not and who I have been hanging out with. It all happened because of one encounter with a mirror in the jungle. The mirror showed her who she was supposed to be. The mirror revealed her true identity. She was not who she was running around with and hanging out with. The mirror gave her a new revelation that there was more to her than monkey see, monkey do business. To cut a long story short, she ended up being rescued miraculously because of some tribal hunters who came through the jungle. When she saw them, she realized, I'm not this, I am that. I'm not a monkey, I'm a human being. She eventually got married and wrote this book called A Girl With No Name, where she talks about her incredible true story. Her whole life was turned around, all because of this little mirror she found in the jungle. Listen to this carefully. The Word of God is like a mirror. The Word of God is like a mirror. Every time you open the Word of God, it gives you a glimpse of who you are and who you are not. The Word of God will reveal to you who you are called and who you are created to be. Let me tell you, the Bible says you are a child of God. The Bible says you are a friend of God. You are an overcomer in Christ. You are accepted by God. You are chosen by God. You are called by God. You are redeemed. You are a new creation. You are free. You are blessed. You are forgiven. You have been made complete in Christ. You are loved. You are a citizen of heaven. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. You have the DNA of the Almighty God. You come from a line of champions. Think about some of our natural ancestors. Moses part of the Red Sea. Let me tell you, there's great faith in your bloodline. David, a shepherd, defeated Goliath. There is courage in your bloodline. Samson toppled a building. There is supernatural strength in your bloodline. I hope you're getting the idea. Daniel spent an entire night in the lion's den and wasn't harmed. Let me tell you, divine protection flows through your bloodline. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and all the odds were against him. Determination and persistent, persistence flows through your bloodline. Queen Esther put her life on the line to save God's people. Sacrifice and heroism is in your bloodline. Can I tell you, you are not what others say you are. You are who God says you are. Stop listening to the monkeys. Stop hanging around with the monkeys. You are called to be a child of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18 but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I pray at the end of our service, I pray for people. Maybe people have put labels on you. Maybe God, God, God's called you to be a son. Someone says, you know, you're not a son. the devil comes and he, and he puts a label. You're not a son, you're a servant. God calls, you, God calls you to be a, a victor. The enemy comes and he whispers, you're not a victor, you're a victim. God says you're chosen. 
And the enemy comes and he says, no, you're not chosen. You are abandoned. Can I tell you, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit, every label, every criticism, every opinion that has been put of your lives will be broken tonight. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And tonight I pray as you look at the word of God, God will reveal your true identity. Can I get an amen? Please excuse me, I'm getting all fired up. I've had about six coffees. We're going to land very soon. Number three, never become too familiar with God's presence. Never become too familiar with God's presence. I believe familiarity is one of the greatest blockers to us receiving God's power. Familiarity is one of the greatest blockers to the anointing. Let me tell you, familiarity means to know someone or something very well and in such a way as to cause you to lose your admiration and respect and sense of awe. Jesus was the greatest teacher, greatest leader, healer, most amazing person who ever lived and walked on, on this planet. Everywhere he went, people were drawn to him. They were astonished at his teaching and the, and the miracles that he did. But we read something very interesting when Jesus was in his own hometown. Listen to this, Mark 6, 1 to 6. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own, in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. This is what I'm trying to say. His anointing was neutralized by the spirit of familiarity. His anointing was neutralized by the spirit of familiarity. What does familiarity do? Let me tell you, familiarity causes us to lose reverence for holiness. If something is holy, it is set apart for God. It belongs to God. And if we are not careful, we can become too familiar with God and as a result, lose our reverence for Him and His holiness. I never want to have a spirit of familiarity. Can I encourage you, church? And, I, I'm, and I'm so, so encouraged by the fact that you are here tonight because I never want to become familiar with the presence of God. I never want to become familiar. When we come together as a church, week in, week out, can I tell you, I never want to get familiar with the songs that we sing on a Sunday. Let me tell you, every time I sing worship songs, I'm like, God, speak to me in a fresh way. I never want to become familiar with my relationship with God. Never become, why? Because familiarity hardens your heart. Judas was one of Jesus' disciples. According to John, Judas was responsible for carrying the money bag. He saw Jesus teach, preach, heal, do amazing miracles. But Ju Judas was the cleverest hypocrite. No one ever suspected him. Here's the thing. Judas didn't have a money problem. He had a heart problem. Familiarity will harden your heart. 
Never become familiar with the presence of God. The key to receiving God's presence is to come to Him through humility. Second Chronicles 7.14, I love this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Humility is the key to receiving God's presence. Let me tell you, God gives grace to the humble, but He opposes the proud. My prayer for all of us tonight is that there is a hunger for God's presence. I pray for a, for that all of us, a, a, a hunger for God's presence will consume us. Why? Because without His presence, we are nothing. We need power, not just words. My prayer for my, my own life is that, is that when I preach, I don't want to just say a few words and say a few nights. I, I want more than just words. I want the power of God. Why? Because it is the power of God that changes lives. Without His presence, we are nothing. I heard a story about the donkey that Jesus rode on when He was in Jerusalem, if you, if you could jump on the keys. When the people saw Jesus on, on this donkey, they waved palm branches and they put their garments on the road, and they shouted, Hosanna to the king. The donkey was thinking to himself, I must be good. Look at this treatment. Now, this is not in the Bible. You're like, boy, where is this? Is it in the Old Testament? Is it in the New Testament? You're ready to write an email to Mark. Where did you find this guy? But work with me for a moment. Just, let's just imagine for a moment. This donkey thought to himself, I must be the man. Look at this treatment. Wow. They love me. This is so good. The donkey went home and there he was lying in his bed and he was like, what a day. What a day. He does a quick Facebook update. What a day. Loved it. And the next morning he wakes up and he's like, you know what? I'm going to go back to that village and live it all over again. So he shows up and nobody notices him. And he was like, guys, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Nobody notices him. Come on, where are the palm branches? Where are the people waving palm branches and clothes everywhere? Hey guys, I'm here. It's the same donkey. Hello, hello. Somebody came and smacked him on his bottom and he said, get out of the way, you silly donkey. He couldn't believe what he saw. He goes home. He says to his mom, Mom, that was, I just can't understand what's, what's going on. Yesterday, they were, they were waving palm branches at me. They were saying, Hosanna to the king. They loved me, but today, they, they didn't even take any notice of me. In fact, uh, this guy came and smacked my bottom and he said, get out of the way, you silly donkey. And he was weeping. And his, and his mom said to the little donkey, son, without Jesus, you are just an ordinary donkey. And I say to you tonight, without his presence, we are nothing. Without the glory of the Lord, we are nothing. Without His power, we are nothing. Without Him, we are nothing. Why? Because the Word of God says, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. In a moment, we're going to pray for people. Maybe you're here tonight, and, and you are in the middle of a storm. Tonight, you need to realize, the presence of a storm doesn't mean God is not with you. God has the power to speak to your storm tonight 
Tonight you need to make room for God. Maybe you're here tonight and God is calling you to take the first step and trust God for the journey. The year 2019, God is calling you to step out. Maybe there are people here tonight. You need to ask God to, to pour out a spirit on you in a fresh way. If I could ask you all to stand to your feet for a moment, the worship team is going to come and join me. Over the next few minutes, we're going to spend a few minutes in worship. This is what I'm going to do. I want to simply invite you to come to the front. Maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, Boyd, I want, to, I want the presence of God on my life. Maybe you've become too familiar with the presence of God. Tonight, I'm going to open up the altar as we worship. Would you come to the front wherever you are? And will you say, God, I'm making room in my life for your presence. Will you say, I want that hunger. I want that thirst for God's presence. I want God's presence just to consume me wherever you are. While we're worshiping, would you mind coming to the front? I just want to pray with you. I know Mark and the team, there are several leaders here. We want to pray with you for a moment. Can we look? our voices and can we just say God I need your presence everybody in this room come on let's begin to worship the Lord for a moment thank you Jesus we need lift your voices we can do better than that oh Jesus we need you in this place tonight come Holy Spirit fill this room with your presence right now will you lift your hands to the heavens wherever you are right now oh Holy Spirit pour out your spirit in this place we need your presence come Holy Spirit thank you Jesus thank Thank you, God. We worship you. Come, Holy Spirit. It's not